Welcome to the Israel Bible Podcast. My name is Cindy Parker. I am an author, a speaker, and the professor of Holy Land Studies at the Israel Bible Center. I am passionate about reading the Bible in the physical, historical, and cultural context of its day. But what I really love doing is having geeky conversations with people about all kinds of things. In this podcast, I'd like to invite you to join me as I sit down each week with other faculty members of IBC to discover new aspects of the Bible. Ah, these are some of my favorite dialogues because as a modern audience reading an ancient text, we know that the Bible does not need to be rewritten, but it needs to be reread. I've been talking with my friend and mentor, Dr. Paul Wright, about why the physical context matters for biblical interpretation. I introduced Dr. Wright last week. He is the former president of Jerusalem University College, which is located in Jerusalem. He is the one who played a very large part in infusing me with a love for the land as a character in the biblical text. Last week, when we talked about geography and Bible, we started with an easy passage in Luke 2.8 that mentions the shepherds being out in the fields at night and why all of those details matter. But this week is Christmas week, and I want to get to a different detail that has enormous implications in how we think about the nativity story. And this detail is in Luke 2, verse 7. Uh, And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth. She laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And again, all of those words are significant. The fact that it was firstborn, that she gave birth, that she wrapped him in cloth. Look at Ezekiel about what Joseph had the right to do, toss the baby out naked in the ditch and let him die. That's what he had the right. And in Ezekiel, we read about how God chose to take Israel, the baby, and wrap him in cloth and heal the wounds. All right? So all of this is here, of course, contextually. But the the line, uh, there was no room for them in the inn, I think is, again, the verse ends with the significant detail uh, that we have to know. Unfortunately, the word that is translated in, and that takes us down a a certain path, doesn't it, about the mean old innkeeper and every Christmas pageant has to have one and all sorts of things. Uh, Stories written in modern English literature that, that are wrapped up with this and everything else. And all of it is nice story, but it's not what it says. All right, the in the word here, the Greek word kataluma, and it's used only by Luke, and I think it's only used twice by Luke, and this is one place. And it it means it doesn't mean an inn where you would rent a room for the night. I mean that 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 did happen in 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 the Hellenistic uh, world in 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 the time of the New Testament. Um, that word is used for uh, the Good Samaritan when he had, when he paid for the, 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 the beat-up guy to stay, right? But that's not here. Uh, the best translation in English is, is um, guest room or guest quarters, a, a room of hospitality is probably the best. And here, archaeology can help us. It can show us the floor plan of houses, actually both in Old and New Testament times, that had sections of the compound that were more private and sections that were more public. And the more private place would be where the homeowner and his kids and, and the wife would be, the more intimate places. And closer to the front door 
where you would receive guests and conduct business and maybe have the wedding ceremony and covenants and all kinds of stuff. Or, or guests that maybe you don't know quite so well up front where you would host them and entertain them and, and let, them, let them sleep and so on. So the guest room, what that means is that, that, that it places the, the entire narrative in one housing complex, first of all. You don't have a hotel down the road, number one. You don't have a, um, a separate place where the animals are. You have, it's all the same place that you live in. And you can, again, see this in text, and you can see this in, in archaeology, and you can see this in historical anthropology, where the living unit is a multi-generational, it's called a bait off a father's house, a multi-generational for people, including the animals in the same com living compound. They're not separated. They're not separated. Um, in our American history, if you go back, I don't think you have to go back terribly far, uh, you'll find the same compound uh, where you have a barn and a house in the same building. I, I've seen some in areas close to where I grew up in Illinois, still standing. Yeah. So the animals are to provide heat, partly for the housing compound in the wintertime, and just to protect them. And you just want to be with your animals. It's just, uh, it's, it's close. And we forget because we have money structures that are fairly yeah. invisible, like money is in a bank account. But for yes. them, money was in the living yes. creatures they were raising. And so you're not yes. going to separate that away from where you can watch them. That's correct. That's correct. That's correct. It, it, there's all sorts of, of uh, subtext here about responsible living and training up your children to be shepherds when they're still young, to hold the family bank account in their own hand, right, and take care of it. All sorts of subtext here that, that are there, and all of, them are, all of them are wonderful. So let's take the word manger correctly, or, or, or literally, right, that there's a feeding trough somewhere in the story as well, or in the scene in, the, in that housing compound. And here it's helpful actually to look not just archaeologically, but anthropologically anthropologically as well. We can tell in a, in a conservative land, such as Bethlehem still is, that where the values of life are, are deeply rooted, where, where, where ancestral life is valued, it's, it's changed in the last two, three decades, but you know the old people, people like me or who are still there, right? Sense that, that those values persist, values like hospitality, and, and values like protection and provision, and uh, even of the stranger, and housing styles, actually. Before concrete and metal reinforcing rods, there's only so much you can do with, with local building stone. Yeah. And so we're able to look at the core, let's say the core of the villages in the West Bank, the Palestinian villages, the core of the villages. And again, it's hard to see this because they've, they've been growing so fast lately with concrete houses around. But, but you look at them, and then you look at the older Ottoman Turkish era ones, and then go back, for instance, up on the Golan Heights, where there are remains still standing full height, including roof, from the Byzantine period that were used for the last 1,500 years. And even though there are details that differ, the overall syntax of the space, of the architectural space, is very similar, with the guest room up front and the more intimate places in the back. 
And if the thing is built on a hillside, as we have in this land, a lot of hillsides, they'll often start out as a cave where you're living in the cave. And then as you, you become more um, established, you build a room out of the mouth, out of the front of the cave, and then maybe one next to it and maybe one on top of it. And the cave goes from your living space to either the stable or the storeroom uh, as, you, as you develop other spaces out in front of it. The stable often then the, the ground level one, drive the animals in and out. And then you would be living yourself usually upstairs as the thing develops. We still have this in Bethlehem. We still have it in Bethlehem. And now, if we take verse 8 correctly, since we just talked about verse 8, that this is a summertime event, the animals are not going to be in the stable. They're not probably going to be in the part of the house where they normally would be. They're going to be out. This room is going to be empty. Uh, so take away your cattle and your sheep in your nativity set, right? They're off in the field somewhere, right? Take them away. The two turtle doves and all of that, just take it away. That room is going to be empty uh, in the house. And so it's going to be used for other things, right? Now, what other things could it be used for? And here's where I'm, I'm it's, let's call it, it's speculating, but it's speculating within the reasonable bounds of the geography, the architecture, and the historic anthropological context. And I think we're allowed to speculate as long as we pay attention to that kind of a context. And here's what the, here's what the ladies of Bethlehem say, all right? When they were born, and let's say back in the 30s and 20s and 40s, well, the 20s, that's a long time now, right? 100 years, but those who were born before, let's say, or, or, or what they say their parents experienced, right? But it's still eyewitness. During the uh, Ottoman Turkish period, before the First World War, or let's say the early part of the British Mandate, or certainly before the establishment of the State of Israel and, and the advances in the, state of Jordan, in, the, in the Kingdom of Jordan, where you have modern hospitals in Bethlehem, which isn't that long ago. And the ladies of Bethlehem say that at the moment of birth, all right, which is the loud kind of messy, sloppy, bloody, and very dangerous time, right? Because the number one cause of death among women is what? Is childbirth up until quite modern times. And the last thing you need is for something to go wrong in front of the rest of the family or the little kids and all of this. That's the last thing you need. So the ladies in Bethlehem tell me that at the very moment of birth, the pregnant woman was taken down into the stable where the birth took place. And the baby then is born and wrapped and stabilized and everything is right. That there are always going to be midwives around. That this is clearly a family home and a family context. Uh, jo there's no way Joseph is going to go and be invited into a place where he is. He's going to Bethlehem because it's his home anyway. Of course he's going to go to his family home and be in his family home. And then when the baby is then stabilized, brought back up into the family and welcomed into a fully human and welcoming and correct environment, all right? So the birth of Jesus is as real as it could possibly be. What we want to do is make it antiseptic and all kinds of other things. But this is, is at the very beginning of, of God's life on earth. He did exactly what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. He fully set aside the divinity, set stuff, that's, I mean, he's still divine, but the, the, the attributes of divinity, 
and fully entered into humanity with us the way everybody else did with the same sort of smells and and everything else and i think the line and that and that, and that makes that makes it, the rest of his life then also participatory with us which is important theologically now i have to read that line there was no room for them in the inn there was no room for them in the guest room one of two ways if you want to read it more let's say plainly it senses time it's busy up there there's a lot going on up there and um, somewhere along the line, the homeowner, the cousin, the uncle, whatever it was, said, you go down and live there the whole time. Or you could say, you could read it idiomatically. You're about to give birth. This is not the proper place. There's no room here for that. Go down where it's supposed to happen. And I kind of like that one better. And there it's more just a, an, an idiomatic sensitivity to the text, I think. Yeah. And even in that case, it's... Maybe, yes, go down there to give birth, but go down with this whole gaggle of women who are going to be, who understand the dangers, who are there protecting mother, child, who are facilitating the whole event. Exactly. It has to be that way. There's no room in the text for anything else. There's no room for anything else in the text. It has to be that way. I I think when you were with us, Cindy, as a student, initially, our campus manager was a guy named Johnny. Is that correct? Johnny yeah, Johnny here? actually was just before me. Just before, yeah, just left. All right, Johnny, a um, a local, a local fellow, local Arab fellow from a small village, saved his entire time with us and before to get enough money to send his daughter, his oldest daughter, to America to go to college. All right, and our daughter Jessica was ah 2004, yeah, the year before was going the same year, and so we asked each other where is your, where are they going, and. Um, I told Johnny, our daughter's going to go to Bethel, same place I went, Diane went. And, and he said, who's she going to stay with? And I said, she's going to stay in the dorm. And he would say, wait, wait, oh, but, but who do you know in town? I mean, who's your, who are your people? Who's your relatives there? I said, we don't, we don't have any relatives in Minnesota. You know, we knew people there, but we haven't had contact. And was, why would you do it? Why would you possibly send her there? So I said, where, where's your daughter going? And he named a, a small uh, junior college in Eastern Pennsylvania. And I said, you saved all your money for her to go to a, a junior college. Why don't you pick a, you know, like a Harvard or something, you know what I mean? And he said, well, because my, my cousin is there. She, he's, she's gonna stay with him. That was number one. Everything else falls be- below that. There is no way that Mary and Joseph went to a, a place other than family. There is no way. This has to be, this has to be a fully embraced a community from the beginning, the way it's supposed to be uh, in, in the birth. Yeah. I simply adore the picture that Luke paints once we pull it out of isolation and put it within the family unit. And for you, how does that understanding change how you think about the birth? Do you view Mary and Joseph differently, thinking of them within a family, interacting with cousins and uncles? I like to have a mental picture of Jesus born into a big old family community because it's simply more realistic and not so sanitized and separate from what the human experience is. And with that thought, I'll give Dr. Wright the final words. Anson Rainey, who is, was a longstanding professor here at Jerusalem University College, talked about the need to bring the Bible down to earth. Um, and and separate it from, we've, we've sometimes made it so antiseptic and 
um, put such a big halo around it uh, that it becomes easy to disbelieve it when things don't work out right in life the way that we think they ought to based on everything must be shiny and perfect. And that's a great disservice we've done to it. We have to leave it you know, kind of down in the mud where it began. I mean, not leave it there forever because I mean, heaven is golden, right? But I mean, yeah, we have, this is where we're living. This is where we're living and we have to let it speak to us on that level. And it, it becomes, it becomes, uh, uh, in the end, it becomes compelling and the claims then become things that start to resonate. If you want to explore more about the way the land can change how you read the Bible, you can enroll in the IBC course called Listening to the Land of the Bible. While you're there, sign up as a student and start earning credit towards Israel Bible Center Certificate Program in Jewish Context and Culture. Thank you, Jeremy McDonald from Mason Jar Music for doing an amazing job editing, mixing, and adding in all the good music. Thank you for hanging out with me and being curious about all things Bible-related.